Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, October the 27th, 2022, and I am delighted to be with you this morning. I don't know what's going on with Facebook. It just gave me some kind of warning message, but I'm going to roll on as if it did not. Um, again, welcome to you all. Um, I come, especially for our old Providence folks, with some very sad news. It was a long night last night. Um, I got home a little bit after one o'clock in the morning. I'm very sorry to say that Kim Lunsford, one of our church members, passed away last night very, very unexpectedly. Kim had not been feeling well, and, and last night um, the Lord took her home. Um, there are other details. Now is not the time for those. But nevertheless, she, she passed at her home. And we need to be in prayer for her family, most certainly for John, for Dabney, for the rest. Um, what a difficult time. What a, what, a, what a tragic time. We, when we face situations like these, there's so many questions that come to mind, so many things that, 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 we're tempted to ask that we want to know why the timing, all of these things. But nevertheless, the Lord tends to these things. He cares for these things, saying in Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the secret things belong to him. That means he takes ownership over these things. He holds them. He cares for them with the same loving grace, mercy, and precision that he cares for all those things that are in his possession. But even so, we pray and we hope in the Lord. So please do pray for the Lunsford family. Um, we'll send out a one call a little bit later on this morning um, when more people are awake. So please do pray for them. Now, um, with that news being shared, let's get to where we are going this morning, which is appropriate. We're in John chapter 12. Yesterday, we just finished the triumphal entry, that time when Jesus entered into Jerusalem as a conqueror. And indeed, he is the conqueror. Not so much of what they thought he would be conquering. Instead, his quarry is sin and death, and his dominion would know no end. But again, uh, this doesn't exactly fit into their expectations of Jesus. They wanted political deliverance. They wanted Israel to be freed from Rome. All of these things that we talked about yesterday. And as a result, they missed who Jesus really is. The calling for you and me is to examine what we expect out of Jesus and to make sure that we don't miss him too. Now, where we pick up today is in verse 20 of John chapter 12, where we're going to see Jesus yet again talking about his death, but also we're going to get a glimpse at the inner turmoil our Lord faced, along with some other things. But let's pray, and then we'll get started. Our God and our Father, we are so grateful for another day that you woke us up this morning, that the day stretches before us. We pray for the Lunsford family at Kim's very sudden passing. What a reminder this is that we do not know what the day holds. For certainly no one woke up yesterday thinking that yesterday uh, would be the day that you took her. But nevertheless, we trust in your grace and in your mercy. We know that Kim loves you and is with you now 
but even so there is sorrow, so please bring comfort and peace. As we continue on in your word this morning, please give us the illumination of your spirit. Turn the lights on so that we would see not only the events that happen, but as the Greeks said here in this passage, we would see Jesus. Oh, Father, we say the same. Let us see our Lord. Let us see his heart on display here. And as a result, let us love him and you more and more and more. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 20. This is what God's word says. It says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Now, pause right there because there's some interesting things going on. Does anything stick out to you here as saying, hmm, that's odd? Think hard. Consider what it says. It says, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. That's the first hint, right? They're Greeks, and yet they've come to Jerusalem to celebrate a Jewish feast. What's going on here? Well, the best thing that we can put together is that these people would have been called, uh, there was a name for people like this, and they were referred to as God-fearers, right? That they feared the God of Israel. That doesn't mean living in sheer terror. What it means is they're Gentiles who are following Jewish practice. And that's fascinating because we see these little interludes throughout God's word where that is the case. There's all sorts of people um, that are listed throughout God's word that are not that are not Jews, but become Jews. A few of the ones that are noteworthy. One would be Rahab, right? She was the resident of Jericho. She feared the Lord um, and obviously came with the Israelites, right? after Jericho's conquest. Another one, Uriah. You're saying, well, who's Uriah? Uriah was Bathsheba's husband, right? There's a reason that he's not just called Uriah in God's word. He's called Uriah the Hittite. Now, you might say, too, what's a Hittite doing? Weren't the Israelites supposed to destroy the Hittites? And weren't they waging what? Yeah, they were, but they didn't. But nevertheless, Uriah the Hittite converted to Judaism, right? So he became a God-fearer. Fast forward all the way to Jesus, and what you see is that continually the idea that Judaism is just for ethnic Jews um, leading up to this point, it, it was never supposed to be that way. Um, we won't turn back there and read it, but remember what God's temple was for in Jerusalem. Remember when Jesus cleansed the temple, he said, my father's house is to be a house of prayer for who? for all people, not just Jews. When the temple was dedicated, this was mentioned. I mean, we could go on and on about this, but we shouldn't be too surprised that there were non-Jewish people there in Jerusalem celebrating the feast. The fact is, is that God has always been building his people. And it wasn't just ethnic Jews. 
In fact, from the very beginning, do you remember what God said to Abraham about his people and his line being a blessing to all peoples? Now, we're not going to get back into this business of who Jesus, who God was talking about there. Read Galatians sometimes. He was talking about Jesus. Um, all those who are in Jesus are Abraham's offspring, right? But th that's, that's for another time. It's just interesting here that God-fearers are mentioned. But what's even better is what they say. They came to Philip in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Interesting side note, at the pulpit at Erskine Seminary, where I attended in the chapel, um, there is a very small note. It's, it's, it's actually a little placard right on the pulpit um, where the chapel speakers go. It's where I had homiletics class, all those sorts of things. And it, it, it is a quote of John 12, 21. And it just says, sir, we would see Jesus. You know, what is betrayed here is the desire of true believers. What is shown is how the true believer's heart really works. And how is that? You know, there's lots of ways. People wonder if they really belong to the Lord. They wonder if their faith is genuine. There's, there's two things that I've begun pointing people to. Number one, well, really three things. Number one, do you recognize your sin? Right. Number two, do you hate your sin? And number three, is your desire, is the heart's, is your heart's desire to see Jesus, to be with Jesus? You see, if it is, that shows your trust in Jesus. It shows that Jesus is not just a historical figure to be, to be believed in in some academic sense, some theoretical sense. Is your desire to see the Lord, to be with the Lord? Honestly, ask yourself these things. Do you recognize your sin? Right? Do you hate your sin and want to turn away from it? And do you want Jesus? The Greeks did. And we have this interesting interlude because it says Philip in verse 22 went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And now listen to what Jesus says. For it is here that we begin to see a real glimpse into what Jesus is facing. You know, up to this point, we have Jesus on a mission. We, we have him at Caesarea Philippi. He turns and he sets his face toward Jerusalem. He is a man that is moving. He is following God. We hear about the things that he's going to face, but unwaveringly, he proceeds forward. But it's here that we start to see some of this inner turmoil. Now, and I don't mean inner turmoil as in Jesus is second guessing himself and what's he going to do? No, still a man on a mission. But we really begin to see the toll that this takes on Jesus, the agony that he faced. Why is that important? Well, because he faced it for his people. He faced it for me. If you're trusting in Jesus, he faced it for you. That's why this is important. Listen to what happens. Verse 22, or excuse me, verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. 
Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Pause right there for just a second. Jesus very clearly here is telling them of his pending death. But also he's telling them why his death is so necessary. And it's fascinating that the go-to for Jesus is not that he is going to serve as the sacrifice for his people primarily. Instead, his vision, the point of him doing this is so much larger than just that. What's he talking about here? Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God coming in all of its fullness. That's why it's valid to call his entry into Jerusalem the triumphal entry. That's why he entered that city as a conqueror, as one expanding his kingdom. Because Jesus reveals here that that's exactly why he's there. So that the kingdom of God would flourish. And yet it is his death that makes it necessary, or, or that makes it possible for it to flourish. And it is our death in giving up ourselves and following him, being this servant that he has described. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant will also be. Our following him is necessary for the kingdom of God to expand. So this is the first hint that Jesus really gives at some of the things that he is facing. To that end, verse 27, he continues, Now, my heart is troubled. And Jesus never exaggerated. He said, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason. I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. My friends, our Lord has given us such a valuable lesson here. Such a valuable lesson. And that is that in this life of following Christ, we will face strife. And our following him, we will face decisions. Things can be painful. However, Jesus reveals the ultimate motivation for us. And the ultimate motivation for you cannot be ease. It cannot be enjoyment. It cannot be, what can God do for me? You see, what Jesus shows us here is his ultimate motivation. And what is that? Well, he's already hinted at it with the kingdom coming. But ultimately, why Jesus did what he did, why he pressed on despite the fact that his heart was very troubled, why he did this was because he wanted his father's name glorified. Jesus did what he did because God is worthy. And of all the ways to show his glory, it is in his salvation. It is in his sacrifice. 
that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you see Jesus is centrally motivated by that which glorifies God. Now, rewind to what he just said in verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am my servant also will be. I ask this with a heavy heart. What's your motivation? I ask with a heavy heart because full transparency here, far too often my motivation has not been Jesus's motivation. When Jesus says, wherever I am, that's where my servant's going to be. And we see that where Jesus is, is with the central desire to glorify God. Y'all, many times my central desire has been to glorify me. It's been to do what I want to do. To gratify my will instead of God's will. Not, not thy will be done, it's my will be done. But you see, this is why Jesus came. You know, Jesus came and fulfilled the law that we could never fulfill. That we would never fulfill. Even if we could, we wouldn't do it because we don't want to. It's our want to that is tragically broken. And yet Jesus came and he did all those things that we wouldn't do, that we couldn't do. And he laid down his life. Why? Well, this is where him serving as our substitute comes in. We wouldn't do the things required, so Jesus did them instead. Yet, instead of us earning these wages of sin, which is death, Jesus, though he never sinned, though he never earned death, he took it for his people so that all of his righteousness could be placed on us and all of our sin could be placed on him. And as a result of this, those who are in Christ, while we are not perfect, he is making us like himself. As we grow in the spirit, we are, there's a term for it, it's called sanctification, but we are sanctified. The Lord works in our hearts, drawing us to himself, helping us die to ourselves and to live under Christ so that we would be where he is. But y'all, this is a central time for examination. We see Jesus's heart on display here, and his heart is to glorify God. Do you desire that? Or do you simply desire for yourself? It is my profound hope that you desire for the Lord's glory. Why? Well, the verse continues, verse 28, Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Did you catch what Jesus said the time was that he'd come? It was the time for judgment. 
And the judgment that he was referring to was the judgment that he would receive. The cup that he would willingly take, full of God's wrath, that he would drink. And in so doing, provide the pathway of salvation to all who would trust in him. Are you trusting in him? Do you take the time to consider this sacrifice, especially outside of Easter? Do you dwell on what the Lord had to do for you so that you could trust in him? My friends, what we see, though we do see the inner turmoil, we still see that Jesus is on a mission. And that mission's central focus is glorifying God. And its central purpose is redeeming all those who would come to him. Again, this is a time to examine ourselves. It's a time to dwell on who we are, why we are, what we do, and why we do it. In light of our Savior, again, what is your motivation? What is your goal? Would you be as those believing Greeks? And is your ultimate goal to see Jesus? Would you have him above anything else? It is my prayer that you would. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. We cannot begin to imagine the burden your son bore for us. And yet we can be grateful. Oh, Father, give us grateful hearts. May we look to you again and again and again, never wavering. But we praise you, Father that through Jesus Christ we have forgiveness for those times that we do waver. That by trusting in him, we are covered by his righteousness as he paid for our sins. Give us hearts full of joy and anticipation as we wait on you. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Let's see here. I see Christine. Good morning. And there's Alice and Becky. And then thank you so much, Alice. And I see the other Becky and there's Elizabeth. And good morning, Wayne. Um, Y'all do please continue to pray for the Lunsford family. We will uh, get information out there as we have it. Again, thank you for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning um, at, uh, at, at 10 a.m. We are having breakfast at the church at 9 a.m. The Open Door Sunday School class is doing that. And if you've never experienced that, then you have missed out. But that is this coming Sunday at 9 a.m. Lord willing, we'll be live streaming at 10 a.m. And then I'll be back Monday morning with our daily devotionals at 7. Until then, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and get yourself to church. It doesn't have to be old Providence. It needs to be a Bible-believing church in there, in the pew. This is not the same. Your TV is not the same. The radio is not the same. Be with God's people and worship the Lord. Y'all have a great weekend.